Hello and welcome to night number 23 of 31 Nights of Frights, year 3, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 23 means we're going back to hell once again for the 7th time. That's right, this is the 7th entry in the Hellraiser franchise. Starring Kari Wooher and directed by Rick Boda. This is 2005's Hellraiser Debtor. This one tells the story of journalist Amy Klein investigating a mysterious cult known as the Debtor Cult that can bring people back from the dead. The concept of bringing people back from the dead is shown to her in a snuff film. Not quite a snuff film, but that's what it reminded me of. Amy is on the case to find out if it's real or fantasy, and as the story goes on, she finds herself as not just a witness, but an unwilling participant. Along the way, you find out the cult leader of the debtors, Winter, is using the La Marchand box that we've all come to know and love from the past Hellraiser films to bring the people back from the dead. So the first thing that stands out to me when I watched this again, I haven't seen it for many years and I completely forgot about this. I was shocked to see Stan Winston's name in the producer credits for this one. I actually had to look it up to make sure that it was the Stan Winston the Stan Winston that worked on Aliens, Jurassic Park. He did a lot of stuff. Uh, the, the Terminator is another one that he worked on, the Terminator franchise, up until, I believe, Terminator 3. It almost seems like they were trying to put a little bit more behind this one by including Stan Winston as a producer here. I don't know how involved he was with it, I do know that the same special effects guy, Gary J. Tunnicliffe, he actually did the effects for this one. I don't know how closely he's worked with Stan Winston in the past. I don't think any of the special effects were done by Stan Winston's special effects studio. But either way, having Stan Winston's name makes this a little bit more special. Even if the movie itself I didn't think was all that great. It's okay, as different as what this one is, it actually, by the end of it, goes into more of the same territory as Hellraiser 5 and Hellraiser 6 that came before it. One of the big problems I have with this film is actually pretty close towards the beginning of it, and that is the footage of the Deader Cult itself with the snuff film that journalist Amy Klein has shown. It actually appears to be edited footage. It's supposed to be a single camera shooting it, but yet it appears that it is edited. If you're going to include something like that, you probably want to be sure that it's going to be a shaky cam and it's going to appear to be one shot. It definitely didn't look like one shot and it kind of breaks the believability right there. Of course, we know what we're getting ourselves into. This is the seventh Hellraiser film after all. But just because it's going direct to video doesn't mean it has to be sloppy. And while director Rick Boda 
in his second Hellraiser outing here, I think he grew as a director between Hellraiser 6 and 7. This one definitely looks better, and I don't know if it's because of a slightly higher budget, which this one may have had. I don't know the budget of Hellraiser 6, but this one actually had a budget of roughly 2 million bucks. Not a lot of money, it's low budget. However, it looks higher budget than what Hellraiser 6 did, but that may be because of the Romanian setting and the fact that it was actually filmed in Romania. This one was actually filmed back to back with Hellraiser 8. If you do a little bit of research on this one, it seems that there was some test screenings. So I almost think that Dimension Films wanted to possibly put this into theaters. I don't know how true that is, but with the test screenings, it leads me to believe that they may have actually gone that route. I do know that this was delayed a little bit when it came out because I was actually excited for it when it was originally announced. And the fact that it may have gone theatrical, that almost lends a little bit more cred to the movie with Stan Winston's name as producer and also the fact that it's a Stan Winston production. It's actually just really fun to think about if it had two previous entries that went direct to video and all of a sudden Hellraiser 7 would make its triumphant return to theaters. Of course that didn't happen. It's just fun to think about. So as much as this is different, a lot of it is the same. One thing I really did like was the cult angle of the debtors and their leader Winter. The idea that they die and come back, and from what Pinhead says, they get the experience of dying in hell, but their souls remain the cult leader Winters and not Pinheads. And that almost leads to a jealousy and a very pissed off Pinhead. This does actually have a pretty deep tie to Hellraiser mythology, with Winter actually being a descendant of the French toy maker Le Marchand. It's hinted at earlier in the movie and it's actually a pretty good scene, especially since it does tie in so heavily to the previous films. It's a bold choice, but I think it's an awesome choice at the same time. So while I think that's probably the best part of the movie, even though it does sort of still tie in heavily to Hellraiser 4 and is almost an extension of Hellraiser 4 by including the Leia Marchand family or merchant family, whatever you would like to call them considering they went by two different names in Hellraiser 4. The movie has quite a few okay scenes. There's one that really sticks out to me where it seems like it kind of squanders its potential mostly because it goes on a little bit too long. And that's where Amy unlocks the door to the underground lair of the debtor cult and winter. I like that from here on out the movie takes on a dreamlike feel. However, this is where it goes back to feeling more like the traditional Hellraiser films. The scene itself has a creepy feel about it. It just goes on for a little bit too long and the explanation is not great even though the explanation part is where it ties in heavily to the Hellraiser mythology. And this is probably a fault of the movie itself like the scripting. I say the scripting because this didn't start out as a Hellraiser film. 
much like Hellraiser 5 and 6, it's something that where Hellraiser was just kind of shoehorned in. It worked out better for Hellraiser 5 and 6 than what it does here. There's actually quite a few scenes in the movie where it tries to build up tension and in an effort of building up tension and establishing everything that the movie's laying out, it also causes the movie to drag. And so that's why I think this is actually a lower tier Hellraiser film than 5 and 6, even though aesthetically it looks better than both of those movies. If we're going to get into acting, the true standout here, as always, is Doug Bradley. The problem is, Doug Bradley is not in it very much. Much like the other Hellraiser films, 5 and 6, he is just as a cameo, which is okay because he wasn't in the first Hellraiser film all that much, but that knew how to maximize the impact of the pinhead character. I'm not saying he's any less powerful feeling in any of these other films, because he still is powerful feeling and you feel like he's this supreme being of some sort. It would just be nice to see Pinhead have a little bit more of a substantial role, but I would like it to be a more substantial role without the cheese of his appearances in Hellraiser 3 and 4. Actress Kari Wurr, or Wooher, however you say her name, I don't know if I'm getting it right with either one of those pronunciations, but she's okay in her role here. Of course, you know her from Sliders, and I, I also know her from the Command & Conquer games of all things. I think she was in, what, Command & Conquer, Tiberian Sun, or Red Alert 2, one of those. But either way, you probably saw her on a couple different things over the years. She's fine in the role, really. It's nothing that is earth-shattering as far as her acting, but then again, it doesn't really need to be. There's only one other scene that I wanted to talk about, and it's one that I didn't really care for all that much, and it's the first time you see the party train. The scene itself, it goes on a little bit too long, and yes, it advances the plot. It's just kind of boring and overly long. It feels like it's trying hard to be edgy. The scene is darkly lit. It's hard to really see what's going on. There's drugs all over, various sex acts are being performed, and it screams that they're just trying to be edgy here. The idea that the train has something like this going on did remind me a little bit of something from Midnight Meat Train. A similar idea, of course, this did come before Midnight Meat Train, but it's just one of those scenes that it didn't really do a lot for me, and I think it was grossly mishandled from a direction standpoint. Of course, later we do find out all the participants on that train are dead. I know, that's a huge shocker. And of course, we do have to talk about the ending a little bit. I'm going to say that this is the absolute worst part of the movie. The fact that the things don't really add up and the ending itself doesn't really make sense. Specifically from Amy as being a journalist and her editor proceeding to give the idea of the debtor cult to another person. Is he working with them? Is he a part of it? Who knows? It's never explained. It's just supposed to be one of those gotcha endings, but it doesn't really feel like it's a payoff. It feels like it's a cheat. We don't even get a satisfying conclusion for Amy. Of course, she doesn't make it out alive in this, but it all doesn't add up. 
it doesn't really make sense. Maybe I'm under or overthinking it. I don't know. But it would have been nice to have a better resolution and a better outcome to this film. This here is one of those films that reminds me of, well, there's a good movie floating around in here somewhere. It was just badly produced in a lot of levels. This isn't necessarily a bad movie if you're a fan of the Hellraiser series and you can watch it with an open mind, then I think you'll probably wind up enjoying it. It's specifically worth watching just for Doug Bradley, just for the little ties to Hellraiser 4 and the Hellraiser mythology itself. It's nice to have those things. However, as a whole, is the movie needed? No, but I didn't necessarily not enjoy my time with it. This is one of the lower entries in the Hellraiser series in my opinion, but overall I still think it's worth a watch, specifically if you watch them all up until this point. And I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, go ahead and drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. I do have my website, adamanalyzes.com, where you can go and catch up on some past episodes. If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners and continue creating episodes. But with that being said, be kind and good night.